Okay, so let's talk about the, the needed ministry of the Holy Spirit, just uh, what I hope will be review for a lot of people, but here's what you need to know about the work, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number one, no, there's no handout. Number one, uh, you got him when you got saved, okay? So you can just write that down. At salvation, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, talks about in whom, in Christ, ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And that is the earnest of your inheritance, the Holy Spirit sealing your life as a new believer. That's the down payment on everything else. Okay, so uh, that Ephesians 1 tells you when you believe on the gospel, you get the Holy Spirit. It's not an experience that you get by the laying on of hands in some service. No, it's when you believe on the gospel. And so for the Gentile bride of Christ from Acts chapter 10 and following, that's, I mean, that Peter proved this out when he preached to the, uh, to the centurion. You know, he heard and then now he is, is manifesting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now if you're saved, then you're sealed. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. But then number two, Okay, you're not just saved, right? You're not just sealed, but you should be growing. And so that means you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been involved in discipleship with us for any time, you know how it works. You learn the Bible by comparing Scripture with Scripture. And what we find out about the ministry of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 18 and 19, the command is, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So that's the command. So if the Apostle Paul came in and wanted to talk about the Spirit, he, tonight he, we'd mic him up and he'd preach. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And you're like, okay. The big question would be what? How, right? So he, the command in Ephesians 5 is be filled with the Spirit and then the proof of being filled with the Spirit is what comes out of your life. What happens Ephesians 5.19 says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He tells the same thing to the church at Colossae and he says the same thing in a different way. Colossians chapter three, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Well, how does that happen? Well, you need to study to show yourself approved unto God. You need to be discipled. You need to learn the word of God for yourself. You need to learn how to apply it to your life. Uh, this is discipleship, isn't it? This is growing as a disciple in Christ. Disciples are learners. Okay, so the word of Christ dwelling in us richly produces the exact same result as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? How do you know the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly? By what comes out of your life. And it's the exact same thing teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So this is what we learn by comparing scripture with scripture, is you walk in the spirit, you are filled in the spirit as you walk in the word, as you're filled with the word. Is everybody with me on that? So what's happening? Well, the word of God comes into you and it takes over. This aspect of the Holy Spirit's ministry, it deals with your walk as a Christian in your holiness to God. This is why Paul said in Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. What does that solve? Walking in the Spirit. Oh yeah, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
So you're, you, you know, who you are in the flesh has a mind and a will, a direction that it wants to go in. It's got an agenda, it's got things that it wants to do, but it is completely stymied when you're walking in the spirit. So what I need to do is I need to quit thinking the way I think, I need to start thinking the way Christ thinks, and it changes how I roll. Because what happens, the word of God's in me now, and it's changing the way I think, and that makes more room for the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is how God gets more, he gets more access to more of your life. He takes over more and more parts of your life. This is the process that enables us to follow the Lord as his disciple. But those two things aren't what I wanna talk about tonight. There's a third aspect of the ministry of the Spirit. Okay, you get sealed when you get saved. As a disciple, as you grow in Christ, you should be, as you grow in the word, you should be growing in being filled with the Holy Spirit, but the anointing of the Spirit, that's what I wanna talk about. The anointing of the Spirit, that results in power for ministry. And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. Um, You might get Luke chapter four in one hand, Acts chapter one in another hand, and Judges chapter three with a foot, okay. You've got multiple fingers, you can do it. Okay, so Luke chapter four, verse 18. This is what Jesus said. He's reading scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he tells them this prophecy, this passage is being, it's now fulfilled. It's, it, this is like, this is where we're at in scripture. This is now taking place. So the Holy Spirit, so the Lord is saying that he is doing ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord himself needed God's Holy Spirit for ministry. Now Jesus came to make disciples. So he's the model, right? He's modeling for us how ministry works. So if he needs the Holy Spirit for power and ministry, guess what? We really need the Holy Spirit for power and ministry. How can we be any different? How can we, how can we expect to impact Kansas City apart from God's power? There's no way. The battle is the Lord's. God alone empowers for ministry. And God help us if we can, let me pull out my air quotes, if we can, if we can you know, succeed Apart from God's power, man, God forbid. First Corinthians chapter 14 talks about how a church that, that, that is all about the book, all about the word, the lost come in. They don't know anything, but they see the reality of God in our life. First Corinthians 14 verse 25 says, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Man, I wanna be a part of that kind of ministry where the reality of who God is, the reality of what God has said is so evident in us that the lost see it and they fall on their face and worship. Don't you wanna be a part of that? I wanna be a part of that. I I wanna see that. And we see that from time to time. We're praying that the preaching of God's people in this place would bring conviction of sin and worship of God Well, okay, so how does that work? Well, okay, Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is the promise to the believer, the promise to the disciples. Acts one, verse eight says, but ye shall receive what? Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, 
And what's the result of that? We witness Christ. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So don't miss this. Power for the mission, power for the battle, power for the work comes when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Acts 1.8. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It's an anointing for ministry and this is always the case. Over and over again in God's word you read about men of whom God's Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And then when the Holy Spirit comes on them, these men that you read about in the Bible, what comes next? In every case, they do some mighty work. Some supernatural capacity is now activated and they're able to do wonders, mighty works, exploits, so Judges chapter three, let's look at a few examples. So Israel sinning against the Lord, verse seven. Uh, the Lord decides to discipline them, verse eight. Verse nine, when the children of the Lord cried unto the Lord, right? The children of Israel cried unto the Lord. The Lord raises up a deliverer. Okay, let's pick it up in verse 10. So Israel is in sin, the wages of sin. It's killing them. They've got an oppressor nation now. They can't take it anymore, so they're crying out for God's help. So God raises up a deliverer. Verse 10 says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon them and he judged Israel and went out to war and the Lord delivered, that's a mouthful, uh, Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, um, into his hand. And he prevailed. Okay, so there it is. Uh, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he took out an army. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Turn to Judges 6, Judges 6, verse 34. Same thing happens. God raises up a deliverer. Then the spirit, right, here it is, Judges 6, 34. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Israel gathered with him for battle and 300 men took out an army with pitchers, lights, and trumpets. I mean, it's an exploit, man. It's incredible, I mean, it's a miracle. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and the victory was won. Look at the life of Samson. Okay, you see him, he follows in the book of Judges and over and over again, what do you read? The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he did mighty works over Israel's enemies. He wasn't even spiritual. I mean, this guy, he's a carnal judge. He's a car I mean, he is a perfect type of the ultimate carnal Christian. And yet God used him in a mighty way because he, 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 he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's a conundrum, man. Where are the mighty works in the church today? Where are the mighty exploits? Where are the mighty victories in battle? What do they look like? I mean, what's our model? Well, okay, look at the text, Acts 1-8 again. Jesus told the church that we would receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And what's the result of that power? We will be what, what's that next word? Witnesses, where? From here to everywhere. That's the result. We are to be witnesses unto the Lord. And the result of that power, remember 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is the lost see the reality of the word, the person, the, 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 the word of Christ in us. And so they fall on their face, worshiping. 
But I want you to notice something. That word witness, there's another way that that's translated in your King James Bible. In Revelation 17, verse six, John says he saw the great whore of Babylon, a woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses. That word is martyrs in Revelation 17, six. The word is martos, and it can be translated as martyr, and it can also be translated as witness. That word in Acts 1.8 is martos. It could, have, it could have been translated as martyr. You shall be, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you will be martyrs unto me. So what do we learn from that? A witness is someone who lays down their life being a witness. Our life exists to be a witness. That's everything, that's it. Why are we breathing? Why do we... Why are we still walking around in skin, breathing up God's air? Oh, to be a witness. We exist to lay down our life proclaiming Christ. You know, countless souls have died over the last 2,000 years over their willingness to witness. And brothers and sisters, if the Lord tarries is coming, the worst is yet to come. People say, man, I'd take a bullet for Jesus. You know, I remember Columbine. (laughs) And that was a, that was a real sobering thing for all of us when all that went down. We'd heard, you know. I mean, kid sticks a rifle to, to another kid's head and demands they re- recant Christ, denounce Christ. And they don't. They get killed. I'd take a bullet for Jesus. Would you lay down your life every day being a witness for him? It's the same thing. The Old Testament records a story in 2 Chronicles 24 of Joash. He starts out as a good king, but his godly advisor uh, passes away. His discipler goes on to be with the Lord, and the Bible tells us that this man who starts out as a good king gets lifted up with pride. He gets mixed up in idolatry. And so here it is, 2 Chronicles 24. Listen to this. Verse 18 says, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their trespass. Yet he, God, sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them. They were witnesses, right? They testified against them, against this wicked, but they would not give ear. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoadiah, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Zechariah says, thus saith the Lord, right? Thus saith God, why transgress ye against the commandments? Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord? That ye cannot prosper. Your way is not blessed of God. It's only hurting you. Why are, why are you doing this? Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they, the people, conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king, this one who started out as a good king, humble, dependent, following the Lord. He commanded them to kill this witness in the court of the house of the Lord. Just like Saul stood by whenever they stoned the Zechariah of Acts 7. Deacon Steve, right? Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness that his Jehoadiah, his father, had done unto him, but slew his son, and when he died, he said, the Lord look upon it, require it. See, Zechariah, anointed by the Holy, Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit to cry foul. 
this is wrong. The wages of sin is death. He preached the gospel and he was martyred for it. And we see that same pattern in Acts 1.8. Stephen models that same pattern in Acts chapter seven. In chapter six, uh, you see in the synagogue these different people disputing with Stephen who Acts six tells you is full of the Holy Ghost. And he's preaching now with power and he's declaring the word of God, he's declaring God's truth. Verse 10 says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Why? Well, Acts chapter seven, Steve then delivers this great sermon, a witness of Christ. Acts 7, 54 says, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, they gnashed on him with their teeth, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes down at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. And when he had said thus, he fell asleep. You know, but for you and I, we look at examples like this and we realize our suffering typically is limited to the lost around us, thinking that we've lost our minds on all this Jesus stuff. You are an oddball and you preaching the gospel is offensive to me. You have hurt my feelings and it hurts our feelings to think that we hurt the feelings of other people. It hurts because we want everything to, you know, we want everything to work out so that everyone thinks that we're hip and we're cool and we're really good person and don't miss this, being a witness, a martos, a martyr, takes a willingness to die to self. So get this down, okay? If you're just writing anything down, write this down. Only the Holy Ghost, only the Holy Spirit coming upon us, only the anointing for ministry enables us to die to our pride, to die to our fear, to die to self and serve. The Holy Ghost comes upon people and what do they do? They serve, they do mighty works, it's wonders, they do, they do exploits. You will, if the Holy Ghost is anointing you, you're gonna be a witness unto him. You don't have to work it up, you don't have to muster it up, you don't have to make yourself be a witness, no, that's what will happen. Read Acts 1.8, <laughs> that anointing takes place and you serve. You lay down your life testifying Christ. You say, I'm not good at sharing the gospel. I'm not good at, at being a witness. I'm not good at proclaiming Christ. I'm not good at giving testimony to, to who God is and how good he is in my life. It's hard for me to do that. Uh, brother, sister, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit for sure, but we need an anointing, an endowment of power from on high. That's what we need. And when that happens, when you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, die to self, oh man, then God comes out, the word of God comes out. When God anoints his people for ministry, that the function is witness. It's not you, it's him. He does it. He anoints you for the work. Now some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well that could never happen in my life. Well, are you saved tonight? Oh, okay, you guys gotta get saved. Yeah. We need the worship team to come right now. <laughs> Actually, we do need the worship team to come. Can you guys come and lead us? In, what was that last song that we did? Huh? Yeah, man, that's good. Can we close with that? Yeah. 
Um, did you lose the band? Did the band lead us in worship and then ditch? Ca- man, an angel singing with a praise. Man, angel, get down, girl. Man, praise the Lord. Um, you're saved. Are you sealed? I mean, if you're saved, you're sealed. Are you growing as a disciple? I mean, it might just be a trickle, but man, you're getting filled. <laughs> That's taking place. Then why can't you be empowered? Why can't you be anointed? Why can't we be ano- Why can't we have the power of God, the hand of God on our ministry? We have not because we ask not. And that's just all I want to say. Nobody deserves the anointing. <laughs> Study Samson, okay? Uh, nobody deserves, Christ deserved it. None of the rest of us deserve it. We have not because we ask not. That's what we lack today. In so many cases, it's just power, an endowment of power for daily living. I don't know about you, but I don't want to wear the name Christian and not have God's power on my life. You say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've done, I mean, why would God ever anoint me? I, you know, there's just, I've been too chicken. I've been too scared. I've been too sinful. I've been too, you know, blah, blah, blah. I am so whatever it is that God could never. Well, tell it to Samson. Okay, so since you're in Judges, turn to Judges 16. Did Samson blow it in his ministry service to the Lord? <laughs> he blew it big time. And yet he prayed. He asked. And again, you gotta understand the dispensation. It's a picture. This is not how we're gonna pray. Nobody's gonna take the application and say, God, help me to kill the heathen. No. (laughs) We're gonna lay down our life loving them and winning them to Christ. But don't miss the picture of spiritual victory. He blew it big time, and yet he prayed. Judges 16, 28 says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once. And then he's asking, I wanna kill everybody. And he bowed himself with all his might and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were there. And so the dead with which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Can we not ask of the Father? I mean, read Luke chapter 11. Ask and you shall receive, right? Knock, it'll be open unto you. Can we not just ask of the Father and receive freely? If not, then that'll be the first time that that's ever happened. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Kid, you ask your dad for bread. You're not gonna get a stone. You ask for fish. You're not gonna get a serpent. You ask for an egg. You're not gonna get a scorpion. I mean, even evil, sinful, fleshly dads know that. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Can we just beg the Lord, can we just have a season of worship and prayer? Um, I'd ask that anybody that, that, that would just feel led, just come down, get on your knees at the front, and uh, any pastors that are not praying, uh, maybe we can just pray and, I don't know, let's just, uh, every day I need a new endowment of power. <laughs> every day I need the anointing for the work that God has before me. There's nothing that God's called us to that I have the capacity to accomplish in and of myself. But man, I serve a mighty God and he can help a Samson out. Amen? So if that's you, if you agree with me, can we just get on our knees before the Lord? And and I'm not doing this to try to get everybody down front. Uh, There's not room for everybody down front. Maybe you can get on your knees right where you're at, but
but we need power for the work that God's called us to. Amen? Let's pray.